It is an honor to be here. My name is Gruya. I'm one of the elders here, so I don't often preach, but when I do, it's an honor. I just think that it's such a huge responsibility to be here and to be able to go through the words that Jesus has spoken to us about. I want to actually start just by praying. I think it's really important that God is with us today and every day as we read these words. So let's, let's take a second to pray. Father, I thank you so much that, that you brought us here this morning. And I thank you so much for the honor and privilege that it is to, to see what you have to say, Lord. I pray that today your words would come across and the weight behind those words would come across as well. Please move me out of the way so that you may speak. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, words are actually very, very important. If a child was to come up to you and say, put your hands up, and kind of, he does this thing with his hands, you might look at him and you could play along, right? You can say, okay, put my hands up. But there's not a lot of weight behind that. Even though those words um, tell you to do something, it's the words that are important, but also the person that says it, right? And so, Flip that around a little bit. Let's say an officer comes up to you, and he's dressed in uniform, and he holds up a gun, or what looks like a gun to you, and he says, put your hands up. Like, my hands are up. I'm listening to, your, I'm listening to what you have to say, because I look at you, and I see a uniform. I see a real gun. I see some real authority there. And so it's the words plus the person that says it. So we're going to keep coming back to that throughout the day. Please open up the Bible to Matthew 7. We're going to be camped out there today. This is in page 691 in the Bibles in front of you. We're actually in a longer series called Red Words. These are the, the stories and sermons of Jesus. Over the last four weeks, or rather this would be the fourth week, we've really stopped to camp out in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. And so this is the fourth part in, uh, in this particular series that we've been going through. It started with Dave preaching on this thing called uh, happy to the ninth degree, right? Happy uh, to the power of nine. And this is Jesus talking to the Beatitudes. And here he, uh, he says things like, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And he just, uh, Jesus appeals to our desire to be happy there. Uh, and really, the, yeah, that's the, that's the takeaway. And that's how the Sermon on the Mount starts. We then moved on to a sermon called Upside Down, and Ben preached this one a couple weeks ago. And this one was really about food and upside-down spaghetti. Wait, no, no. That's all this was about. Uh, at least that was, that was my takeaway. This was Jesus calling out some, um, some rules of that day and really just turning, that, turning all of that upside down. This is where he would say things like, you've heard that it was said, Something, like, you shall, uh, you shall not murder. But I tell you, if you're angry, it's as if you've done that in your heart already. So the big takeaway in that sermon was that we should go in and live a certain way because Jesus did for us. So we, we should go and do because Jesus did. And, uh, and these standards that, that humans and people set up, those aren't really the standards that you should live up to. So that was Ben's sermon. And... Last week, we talked, Dave talked about inside out, and this was about what's on the inside, how you pray, how you practice righteousness, how you fast. The big takeaway there was to live well for God alone. It doesn't matter what other people think. Um, it really matters what God thinks. And so today, we have a whole chapter. We're going to go through all of Matthew 7, and really, I hope that we take the words seriously. 
And I hope that we commit to action as a result. I hope that we don't just listen and walk away thinking, oh, those are nice words, but rather, you know, that, that wasn't a child saying those things and that was nice. This is more so Jesus saying those things and we should probably do something about that. And the, the picture that I picked today, the, the sermon is called Commit, and the, the picture that I picked is this, uh, this runner and really it depicts a picture of somebody that works hard in, in this, this particular man, I can only imagine, did a lot of training to get there. You can look at those legs and you think, huh, that's a lot of muscle. You can't just, you're not born with that. It takes some training and it takes some commitment. And so, so that, that's why that particular picture is up there. So we have lots and lots of things to get through and I'm actually really excited and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. We'll, we'll get through the outline as we go through it. I won't, I won't read it out loud right now. So it starts with the sermon continues with judging others. So we're gonna, I'm going to read the passage. And by the way, today is going to go a lot like that. I'll read a passage, I'll talk about it, and uh, read another passage and keep going. So please look at Matthew 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Okay, and it goes like this. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So really, what this is, what this is getting at is, man, make sure before you judge someone, before you go and tell them, hey, there's so much wrong with you, wow, like, look at yourself First, there's so much to work on. There's so much happening in your own life. You should really look at that. And if you do come to your brother, this is really a warning that, man, like, come in an attitude of humbleness, saying, look, like, I'm sinful just like you. I don't pretend to have things perfect, right? But maybe we should talk about this um, and, and together kind of work things out. Um, and you should also be open to the fact that you may not know all the facts when you go and sort of judge someone, you go talk to them. You may not know everything. You could be blinded by sort of a log forest that is jammed in your eyes and you can hardly see clearly, right? Um, so be, you know, be thinking about those kinds of things when you talk to somebody and when you judge when you talk to them about their sin. Um, do you, is this passage saying that we can't at all call out our brothers or sisters in sin? Because in a sense, if, if I was to see someone committing sin, if I go talk to him about that, and in a sense, I'm judging. Is this saying, no, no, like you can't do that at all? No, that, that's, not, that's actually not, not, not what it's saying. You can look in, um, don't, don't turn there, but in Matthew 18, um, we, know, we get some guidelines about how to approach brothers and sisters in sin. Um, you know, if, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, uh, take one or two others along with you. Um, and so on. So we certainly have guidelines about how to approach others in sin. It's just the warning here is just do it with care, do it with humbleness, and you should be okay. And this brings me to um, a call to action. And we're going to have a call to action quite a bit throughout the sermon. And so here, I'd, I'd ask for us to commit when we judge and when we talk to people to judge with humbleness, to know that yeah, you may, not, you may not know everything. Know that you are also a sinful man or lady. 
and we're all, you know, we've, we're trying to do the best we can based on what Jesus has done for us and what he's doing in our lives. So, with this passage, actually, verse 6 actually gives us a little more, a little more light into um, when you should and shouldn't go up to somebody and you should and shouldn't judge someone. So if you look at verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And this, when it talks about giving, people what, uh, giving dogs what is holy, uh, this is talking about the gospel, about talking to, to people about Jesus. And you, you'll see, you know, do not give dogs what is holy. It's actually dogs in the Bible aren't these sort of cute sort of handbag dogs that you sort of, they're sitting next to you in an airplane, you kind of pet them and so on. No, 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 no. This verse is really talking about uh, when, it, when, when dogs are mentioned in the Bible, they're more so sort of very, very um, sort of vicious animals. And similarly with the, the pig picture that we get in the Bible, it's, it's really sort of unclean, unholy. That sort of mental image should come in your mind. And man, when I saw this picture, I thought it's great, but it actually kind of freaks me out a little bit, so I'm just going to clear it. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want you guys to be too over-focused on this vicious dog. By the way, I love dogs. I have nothing <laughs> to do with dogs. So really, this talks about how to handle the gospel in the face of truth. And you should approach every situation carefully and with, and with prayer. And in general, think, like, what kind of situation is this? If Proverbs is anything to go by, uh, where it says, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. So be in constant prayer. Be thinking, um, what kind of situation is this? Is this a situation to, to talk about? what's going on or not. And, uh, and uh, we will actually, as we continue through the, through the sermon, we'll see some more guidelines that will help us um, know uh, how to discern and how to proceed in these situations. So moving on, we're going to look, look at verses 7 through 11. And this is about speaking with God. And it goes like this. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, there is one message here that may not come at us obvious before we talk about the whole passage, and that is in verse 11, Jesus says, if you then who are evil, he presupposes that his audience that he's talking to, his disciples, uh, he calls them evil, in this, and, and when he does this, he, he, Jesus isn't calling himself evil, so he's distancing him away, he's distancing himself away from his audience. We as humans are born sinful. Jesus isn't, and so that's kind of that's a neat doctrine hidden in here, and one that if you really, if you really understand it, when you realize what Jesus has done for us with His death and resurrection on the cross and dying for us, even though we were uh, and we are evil, um, that should really spring us to action and really help us to think deeply and uh, and more lovingly, lovingly about Jesus, and it will help us to really appreciate what he's done on the cross so much more. But really, that's a, I digress. That's actually not necessarily the full point of this, of this passage. So this actually is a very, very encouraging passage. Okay, remember who's talking here. This isn't 
an imperfect, sinful human that can give good gifts, right? So we know that uh, we try to give good gifts to our children or, or to friends or whoever. This isn't me talking. This is God. And he is the only God. He's perfect, all-powerful creator. I'm going to list off some other qualities just to open our minds a little bit. And these are not even all the qualities of God. So he's unchangeable. He's eternal. He's omnipresent, omniscient, wise, truthful, good, loving, merciful, holy, righteous, omnipotent, perfect, beautiful, glorious, judge, to name just a few. Okay? God is so much more than me or you. He's so much greater. And this is God that is talking. And what is he telling all of us? He's telling, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Like, that's encouraging. We have access to God, and we can talk to him and ask him, and he wants to give us good things. I mean, um, that's, just, that's just amazing. Um, think about, if you have children, think about your relationship with them. How does that work often? Um, they'll ask, like, how long can you go before your child asks you a question? Not very long, right? And then another question. And another question. And the man, they just keep coming. Like, that's the way they relate to you. And your answers to your children are sometimes sort of yes or no or maybe or, um, you know, they vary. And sometimes the reasons behind your answers to your children are good reasons. Like, look, I will not give you another piece of candy. Uh, I will not allow you to play in the street, whatever. Some, sometimes those are sort of good good answers, but sometimes we just say no because we're irritated, or we're tired, or man, I've had a hard day at work, and you want to play with me right now, but no, like I just, like I cannot do that. Um, the thing is, when God's answers to us are always perfect, he's never irritated, he's never tired of us asking, um, he's never had a hard day at work, um, not that it's not hard, only he can handle it all, so... <laughs> I would say that God has the hardest days, but uh, uh, so 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 in the same way that our children are dependent on us, man, we should be dependent on God and know that His answers to us are always perfect. I'm not saying that His answers are always yes. That's not what I mean. Um, but I am saying that His answers are always perfect. Um, and you know, somebody asks, well, why do you sometimes not receive? You say, man, I'm talking to God all the time, all the time. Uh, morning, afternoon, night, I'm just talking to him. But he doesn't give me what I want. Well, um, in James, and again, don't turn it, but in James 4, it says you, you, you do not have because you do not ask. So are you really talking to God? And then it also says you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. Think about your motives, too, a little bit when you ask. And also, even if your motives are always great in talking to Jesus and in, in asking, sometimes the right answer right then is no, or it's, it's to wait. It's not always yes. Which brings me to our next commit, which is uh, that Jesus is calling us to, and that is talk to Jesus. Okay, that's the, I just, that's what he's saying, and he's saying very, very clearly. He's not saying maybe you should ask or maybe you shouldn't. Man, commit to talking to Jesus. It doesn't hurt. And <laughs> certainly is going to help a whole lot. <clears throat> And, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I actually like Lord of the Rings, and that's why I said one rule to rule them all. Um, 
brings us to our next verse, verse 12. And this is um, the golden rule, um, which, is, which says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So this is one of the most famous Bible verses, or at least mottos, to live by, the golden rule. Uh, and it actually shows up in other religions, by the way. I didn't know this. I, I studied up on it, and uh, this golden rule in different forms, and I'll talk about that, in different forms shows up in other religions. Jesus wasn't even the first that said it. Uh, in fact, there's a rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, uh, that lived just before Jesus. Um, and he, the way he put it, and the way other religions, is my understanding, put it, are along the lines of what is hateful to yourself, do not do to somebody else. Okay? However, Jesus spins this positively, right? This is actively do good to others um, for what you would like them to be done to you, okay? So, so that's the, hopefully you catch the difference. It's not about what's hateful to yourself, do not do to someone else. It's not about uh, sort of being internal, but it's more so about external. Actively do good to others. Uh, actively do to others what you would have them do for you. And, uh, and it's actually kind of nice because Jesus uh, summarizes the Old Testament. He says, for this is the law and the prophets. So that's pretty useful. Thank you. Like the law and the prophets are quite a few books, and we can summarize them in, uh, in, that, little, uh, in that little sentence, that little rule. So that's, that's pretty cool. And this is applicable in every relationship, okay? Family, friends, um, so wife, children, uh, coworkers, neighbors, church, people, you know, cashier. Um, it's also applicable in the things that may be um, things like your enemies, uh, things like uh, an irritating person, um, maybe an unloving acquaintance. It's applicable to everyone. It doesn't say to, um, to wait for others to do it to you first. It doesn't say once others treat you well, then you should treat them well too, right? Uh, it's not conditional on how others act or react. You know, I... I gotta tell you, like for me, this most often plays out uh, daily in the fact that I have to, I don't have to, I, I do the dishes at our house quite a bit. And, uh, and that's actually not a picture of my sink uh, because mine would be uh, sort of overwhelming to the countertops, right? And uh, so that's a, that's a much cleaned up version. Um, but that, like dishes, they just never seem to end. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, they never seem to end. And we have, I mean, now we have four children or a hundred children. Yeah, we have a lot of children. And, uh, and they just make a giant mess and they keep doing it and doing it. And, uh, and now with, you know, we have a baby too. And wow, like he just he can't stop drinking bottles and those show up too. And so it's just like, oh, just give me a break, right? But, um, but this is every single day here. I'm having to decide. It's nighttime. I'm tired. I've had a hard day at work. Right, and I'm having to decide, okay, if I was Jamie and I woke up in the morning, what would I like? Would I like clean dishes, not clean dishes? Most of the time, I do them. This last week, I have done a poor, poor job. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I, I both pass and fail there. Um, but really, at least in my life, I have these, um, this, this is just a constant reminder of the, of the golden rule to me. And so, I'd say, like, what is it for you guys? And... Um, and I'd, I'd say the next commit here is, to, again, just to treat others. It's not a mystery, right? Treat others as you would yourself, right? Man, do those dishes, Korea. Do the dishes. Um, but, uh, yeah, what is, it, what is it for you? And it really should show up all the time. 
uh, in your life. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Okay, we now move into a slightly different part of the of the sermon uh, of um, of Jesus of Jesus' sermon, and in a sense, the, the rest of this is about warnings, and and Jesus very plainly lays out two different possibilities and gives different examples to each one. Man, Jesus is a masterful preacher, and um, to say the least, and um, and he drives this particular point home uh, over and over again. So, um, so we'll start with the warning about the two ways or two gates or two um, or two um, yeah two roads, two ways, two gates. So, uh, this, this is verses thirteen and fourteen. So let let's look at your Bibles, please, in uh, Matthew seven verses thirteen and fourteen. And it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the way, for, uh, I'm sorry, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So this is just continued advice on how to live your life, um, and in this case, Jesus is the gate, he's the way. Um, he said in other places in, in, in John, he said, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is obviously Jesus is, um, is uh, talking here about himself and, and, uh, and that he's the way. And, and this, is, this is a hard message, guys, but the way it's written and the way I read and the way the Bible states it um, is, look, there aren't many paths to the God of the Bible. Right? There's a narrow path and there's a wide path. It doesn't say uh, that there are lots of ways to get there. And if somebody tells you that, um, you know, flags should go off in your head. What's that based on? Um, what's that kind of um, calling based on? This is, a, this is a very hard message to preach, but I would, be, um, I would not be doing the Bible justice if I didn't say it. Um, and so... The other thing is you should question yourself here. If your life uh, looks like everyone else's, right? Is there any difference, like that you're traveling a different road than, than somebody else? Um, this isn't an easy road, right? This, um, this presupposes that um, this isn't necessarily comfortable. And, and I know that's hard because in the Bay Area, we live super comfortable, uh, super comfortable lives, um, and uh, let me just, by way of example, uh, and, and this, I was reading, I was listening to a book by um, Francis and Lisa Chan. Some of you may know of, uh, Francis Chan. He wrote Crazy Love. Um, and this book was, was called You and Me Forever. Um, really good book. I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, and and yeah, think about going camping. Let's say you're going camping for a few days, right? Some of us like to rough it, right? Others prefer uh, motorhomes. So... Yeah, uh, <laughs> some of you may know where this is going. So, um, so in the church camping trip, right, that we do, I think it's a couple of years ago, and uh, many of you, and I commend you for that. You know, many of you came in tents and you were really roughing it, and that was great. Um, you know, my wife and I, we came in a motorhome, and uh, we were still roughing it for us. Uh, it was uh, what was it? Like there was a night, and it was cold outside, and. Uh, 
you know, and I woke up, and I think, I guess others woke up saying, man, I was cold. Like, I woke up, it's super cold. I got out of bed, and I, uh, you know, I turned the thermostat up, and then, it, like, it wasn't cold anymore. It was great. I went right back to bed. The covers were even a little bit much, right? Uh, only to wake up, and people were like, whew, it's cold, trying to warm up their hot chocolate, and yeah, that wasn't the case for us. Um, but anyway, so... The thing is, whether you're motorhome camping or, uh, or in tents and so on, it's clear that camping, that, that campsite and so on, that's not your final destination, right? You're there to camp, you're there to see friends, you're there to do some other things. Um, the thing is, and you have that mindset, like, so even whether you're motorhome camping or not, you know that there are some discomforts, there are some things that are different than your real home. Your real home is, you know, maybe 50, 100 miles away. And it's coming. It's coming soon. You're going to go back there soon. Um, it would be very strange if somebody um, lived in such a way when they were camping where you realize, like, man, don't you know you actually have a home just down the road? Um, so, so for many of you there, like, you look, and then for me, like, we start to look different after a few days, right? Maybe not as clean as we usually are. Maybe we haven't shaved in a while. But... But like, but that's okay. Everybody knows you're camping. You're there to camp. You're not there to not. Man, if our lives here aren't with a mindset that we're here to camp, whether it's a little bit more comfortable in a motorhome or in a tent or even under the night sky, we're here for a short time and to camp. We're not here to bring serve sort of, um, heaven on earth. And so. Um, so we should have, our lives should be on a mission for Christ, right? This narrow path, uh, it calls us to that. Don't be confused. This is a campsite. This isn't home, okay? Home is coming, but it's not right now. The next warning is in verses uh, 15 through 20, and, um, and these go like this. These go... Um, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So if you look at verse 16... Sorry, verse 15. Um, you know, it talks about uh, false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. So in the Bible, we, pe- people that, uh, that believe in Jesus, are often compared to, uh, and people in general, are often compared to sheep. And uh, if you, Dave's talked about this a little bit before, but if you do a little bit of research on sheep, you, you, you'll find it rather hilarious. So um, sheep are just, they're just not smart animals, man. Bless their soul, they're not smart, Okay. If they have a soul, and I don't want to get into that at all. I don't know. Uh, so sheep have a, they have like a strong instinct to, to follow the sheep in front of them. So they, they're followers. They follow each other. Uh, when one sheep decides to go somewhere, okay, let's say I'm a lead sheep, and there's some other sheep. Like if I sort of jump down, man, like these sheep are just going to follow me. Uh, and sometimes they do that, even if it's not a good decision. And what I mean by that, like it's been known that sheep will walk off a cliff you can find pictures. It's like they'll walk off a cliff, and every other sheep, like behind them, will just follow. Um, and you think, "Wow, that's just not a good decision, buddy." What were you thinking? This is an instinct. Like this is hardwired into sheep. That's why they are sheep are followers. Okay, 
And this brings actually a lot of weight to when Jesus compares us to sheep, in that we can be led astray pretty easily. And so you should be watching out, because if you have wolves in sheep clothing leading people away, uh, preaching the wrong gospel, preaching a different message, that can be really dangerous, really dangerous to everyone. Um, And so uh, in verses 16 through 20, we're actually given a bit of a clue into how we can tell what kind of uh, sheep we're looking at. Uh, So these are people that on the outside, um, everybody sort of might look the same like sheep, but on the inside, uh, they might not. And how do you know? Well, it's about the fruit that comes out of people's lives. That's one way to tell. That's one way to tell what's going on on the inside. And you may not know right away. It may take a very long time. But ultimately, that, that's, how, that's how you... Even if fruits start looking out the same, um, eventually they'll turn into um, where it make it obvious what kind, of a, what kind of a tree that was. For example, like uh, I'm not a great tree guy, but let's say lemons and limes might look similar when they're first starting out, right? I'm guessing. I think they do. But once the, the lemon and the lime are, like once they're fully developed, and like you can't, you can't go wrong, you should be able to tell them apart, provided you have some point of reference into what a lemon is and what a lime is. So we should also have some point of reference as to what good fruit looks like and what bad fruit looks like, just to, just to help to ground us a little bit. And if you look in Galatians 5, it talks about both. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, the kind of good fruit. And also the, the signs of the flesh. And the, the fruit of the Spirit would be things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and signs of the flesh would be things that are not that. Um, things like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So, you know, lots of, you know, a laundry list, lots of things, right? Um, so those are some ways that we can, uh, we can help to, uh, to detect. But again, let's not forget what, what we talked about just, you know, 20 minutes ago around, um, you know, coming in an attitude of humbleness and not assuming. It could be that the lime you're looking at is actually a lemon and vice versa. Like, uh, be very careful with, you know, with this kinds of, um, with this kind of, um, responsibility. Jesus then moves on in verses 21 to 23 to talk about uh, two groups of people. Uh, if you look at verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this, on the surface, um, or maybe not even on the surface, this can be a very scary uh, and sobering passage. Right? It looks like these people uh, fooled themselves a little bit here. They thought they were doing things in Jesus' name, but they actually weren't. Um, you know, I'll bet you that they weren't talking to God the way, uh, the way Jesus was saying. I'll bet you they weren't talking to him uh, all the time. Um, they weren't asking all the time, um, but that's just uh, that's just presupposition. 
Um, we get from another part of the Bible, we get a bit of a clue here that these are people calling him Lord, Lord, but they're really not doing what Jesus said. Um, so there's a lot here, and I, I'll just say be very careful and uh, continually be talking to God to know. Um, but I want to actually focus in this passage, I actually want to focus on a different idea that comes across that may not be as obvious on a first, on a first read. Um, and that is that a big change happens here in how Jesus talks. And, and look, look here, like, um, catch it with me. Uh, even in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and that kind of theme where Jesus now is no longer giving advice to others uh, necessarily, like you do this and do that. This is Jesus saying, if you come to me and I am Lord, this is me, Gria, this is me, Jesus. That's saying that. And so, all of a sudden, Jesus here is very thinly covering. And he's not really covering anymore the fact that, look, I am Lord. I am God. All of a sudden, everything that Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount should take a giant leap of, wait, wait, wait. Did Jesus just say that he's going to be judged? Like, did Jesus just say that people are going to call him Lord? That's intense. Like, wow, he's in uniform, and I really should pay attention. Like, this is God talking. And so when Jesus says, treat others as you would yourself, it's not me saying treat others. It's God. And so the weight of those words should be a very, 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 uh, very different uh, than if a mere human was saying. As I was looking at this, I think C.S. Lewis actually says this really, really well. And I want to read, I want to read you a quote from, uh, from Mere Christianity. Great book, if you haven't read it. And this is what C.S. Lewis says. I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who, has, who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else you'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither lunatic or fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. So, don't fool yourself, please. And do not think that Jesus was a good moral teacher, and that's it. He wasn't. He would have only been a good moral teacher if he was also God. If he wasn't God, he would have been a lunatic. He would have been something else entirely. If you look at the things that he said. And so, man, I would ask, please, like, if, you, if you're not sure, and for, like, for everybody here, just commit to figuring out who Jesus is. Who is he? Is he God? Is he a lunatic? You know, is he something else? It's really, really important to figure this out because based on, on what you figure out about Jesus, it will give very different weight 
to the words that he says and to the kind of things that he calls us to do. Moving on to verses 24 to 27. It goes like this. Please uh, read with me. Everyone who, hears, who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. So this is no longer about just listening. Okay? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his wife, his life on a rock. Okay? This isn't everyone who hears these words of mine and memorizes them. I have nothing against Bible memory. In fact, I think you should, everybody should do it. It's more so if that's where it stops, just knowing what what Jesus said, that's actually not helpful at all. That's not what Jesus says. He says, who hears these words and does them. Um, so look at your own life, right? How do you react in times of trouble? What are the kind of things that you cling to? What are the kind of things that you don't cling to? Um, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, and what does that say about the kind of house that, you are, um, that we are building our lives on? Uh, this by the way, in all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner like, like you guys. I, um, I'm, I don't in any way uh, mean to pretend that, that this isn't something that I, that I work through every day as well. Um, and I should also say, this message is very much about doing, and I, think, and I think we'd be doing Jesus a disservice if we weren't saying that, look, we have to go and do. But no, please know that we're not saved by our works, by the things that we do. We're saved by what Jesus has done for us. This is, these are things that come out of loving him and following him. Um, that, but that being said, and, and here, you know, Jesus was talking to his disciples after all, right? That being said, look, it's about go and, and do these things, right? Don't just, don't just listen. Um, do something about it. And if you look at verse 28 and 29, you know, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Man, astonished. Can you imagine? You're listening to Jesus and you walk away. You're just, wow, I am blown away by what Jesus, what Jesus said. There's power in the words of Jesus. And, and, and there was something because he had authority. Why, why did they think that he had authority? Because he did have authority. That's why he had authority. And how, how, what did he do to prove it? He not only just said these things. He then, as he's walking down the mountain, a leper comes to him. Leprosy was incurable in that day. What does he do? He heals the leper. A little bit later, uh, a centurion comes to him. What does he do? He heals his servant without even going to see the servant, saying, oh, your faith has healed you. Your servant is now healed. They figure out that the servant was healed exactly when Jesus said that he would be. So he backed up not only the, the talk, but he backed it up with actions as well. Um, there was... Here's a sermon, here's action. Sermon, action. Like it, was, it was very much followed by that, that pattern um, in, uh, in Jesus' life. So I would say, man, like, if you don't know Jesus, um, what's holding you back? Feel free to uh, talk to myself, Dave, uh, to me, uh, Dave, Ben, others. Um, here, there's you know, many Christians here. Uh, and it just works. Like, what does the Bible have to say 
about uh, about Jesus. He's not. Don't be, please, 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 don't be confused. Jesus and me too. Like Jesus isn't a, just a good moral teacher. You cannot do not walk away with that. He's either God and a good moral teacher, or something completely different. So and and. Really, we're faced with that choice, and we have to make that choice. Um, and if you do know Jesus, um, you know what kind of fruit are you bearing? I would say, pick you know pick one thing from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, go go back, read the Sermon on the Mount. Pick one thing. You don't have to do it all. You can't do it all. Um, and just commit, man. Commit to live uh, just intensely for Jesus in the way that He has called us to. Um, he, he just he hasn't left room for anything else. Um, so I, some of you may know, uh, so I love, love to run, okay? I've been doing it for, I don't know, over two years now. And, and there's a lot of sort of commitment and dedication that has gone into that. Nowadays, I'm, uh, I think I run about four to five times a week, and, and, uh, and my body now uh, can do some things that I thought impossible, just impossible three years ago or any, at any other time in my, in my lifetime. Um, it's not, then that wasn't something that I woke up today and I was able to do. It, it took just consistent uh, commitment and consistent action on my part, not just reading a running magazine, but actually going out and, uh, and doing. Okay, so I've often found myself, and often is a bit of an overstatement, but many times I find myself, uh, like Saturday mornings, especially in the winter, I wake up, 5.30, whatever it is, uh, night outside, everyone is sleeping, warm in the house, I'm dressed for running, uh, and I literally see myself, uh, I'm literally like, I sit down, okay, and I'm literally like, like this, I'm sitting down, and I'm talking to myself, okay, Gria, come on, let's go, like, you can do this, go out for a run, the other part, part, other part of my body is like, oh, I know that I can fall asleep in like two minutes flat right now. If I go back to bed, like that, that's all it's going to take. Um, and most of the time, I actually end up going. Sometimes I go back to bed. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm merely human, and this is running after all, right? This isn't Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, but look, man, we have to pursue Jesus and his guidance with a great sense of urgency, focus, passion. Okay? Okay. Uh, for me, if I had the same passion for Christ as I do for my running, I know that spiritually, three years from now, I would be in a place that I thought impossible throughout my whole life. Impossible. What about you? What's your, what's your passion? What, what, what's the thing that, that drives you? And by the way, I'm not saying I should give up running. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is I need to be as passionate about Christ more so than any other passion I have in my life. What is it for you? Is it comfort? Is it um, uh, TV? Is it family? Um, is it you know? Is it work? I mean, I don't know. There's lots of things. We're passionate about lots of things, and it's great. It's good to have passions. But man, don't let those things uh, overtake uh, your passion and desire um, and desire for Jesus. So let's like use the Bible's lens as to what to do. Start with the Sermon on the Mount. It's a great place to start. Um, and see how we can live completely for Jesus. You know, as we said in the beginning of the sermon, um, words are important. And who says them will drive you to action or not to action. If it's the police officer in a uniform asking you to do something, 
you're much more likely to do it. And with commitment, I guarantee you, versus a child asking you. This isn't a child. This isn't a police officer. This is God that's asking us to commit, to live for him. So I'll just say, how are we going to respond to that? Um, I just, I just hope that we all, myself included, um, we, I'll just commit to live more intensely for Jesus or commit to Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, uh, we come before you, and we know, Lord, that uh, it is impossible to do these kinds of things without your help. Um, so Father, I pray that we would commit to seeking you, uh, to following you, Lord, to um, seeing what you have called us to do, um, and actually doing that, Lord. And we know, Father God, we know that this isn't uh, what's going to um, bring us salvation, uh, but I pray that it would come out of an abundance of our love, uh, love for you, Lord. So watch over us today. Help us, Father, to not be just listeners of your word, uh, but doers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.